right, guys. Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Dixon Number no. Two Pencils. We don't use them anymore; they are completely obsolete. But when you need a pencil to write on a paper that you no longer write on because you type on them now, use Dixon Number no. Two Pencils. Just a reminder, also, guys, that the Goldcast. You can find us on Facebook. Stitcher, iTunes, and YouTube, all now under the moniker of the Goldcast. Facebook.com is slash 49ers Goldcast. Twitter is 49ers Goldcast. We will be changing those soon to reflect the uh, the expansion of the Goldcast, which happens in January. We've got a brand new intro. I'm looking at a couple different intros right now. I've got one more submission for the intros, and then we're going to have a new intro that is uh, pretty cool and very unique i don't really hear i haven't heard any podcast and i listen to a lot of podcasts i haven't heard any podcast that has an intro as interesting as our intro uh, you know in all humility it's uh, it's pretty good but uh this is uh we, we have dan the man back on we had such positive uh, feedback from uh, our mma tuesday last week Dan the Man is joining us again to break down UFC 207. You don't want to miss it. Check it out. Here we go. Boom! We're recording. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my MMA co-host, Dan the Man. Welcome back, buddy. What's up, guys? So... Check this out. You know, I like that we're doing MMA Tuesdays, but we release it on Wednesdays. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, MMA Tuesday on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. So, Dan, let's get into this because we the anticipation for UFC 207 is pretty crazy. It's the return of Ronda Rousey, and let's just kind of let's just get into it, man. Let's start with the the big guns. Nunes versus Ronda Rousey. Why don't you break down this fight and kind of get everyone prepped on what what the story is up to up to today? Okay, um, if you live in a rock or underneath one, um, you might not know that Ronda Rousey is like the pound for pound queen of women's MMA. Um, she was eleven and zero, no twelve and zero. Um, going into a title fight last year. She was the title. She was defending against Holly Holm. Holly Holm knocked her out. Second round head kick. Shocked the world. Um, Ronda Rousey disappeared for a year. And now she's back. That's that's the summer, summary. Um, she's fighting Amanda Nunes, known as the Lioness. Amanda Nunes, extremely high-level striker. Um... Black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, brown belt Judo, trains out of American Top Team in Coconut Creek, Florida, with other people like Robbie Lawler, um, former uh, welterweight champion. Nunes is the current champion. Rousey is the challenger. Rousey is a two-to-one favorite, which is not too surprising. Rousey's always been the favorite for all of her fights. Um, she's normally like a ten-to-one favorite, so that's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that sets the stage for you guys. Okay, so Nunez is one scary looking chick, man. She she looks yeah, she's bad. Yeah, she she looks like she eats Ronda Rousey's for breakfast every morning. Yeah, the weird thing, uh, Nunez is a she's a really great athlete, and she's been training in combat sports since she was like six years old. She's she's 
or four years old. She started karate when she was young. And she's from Bahia, Brazil, which is like a kind of like a martial arts hotbed in a way. It's like uh, they're just scrappy, <laughs> scrappy from Bahia. Um, but uh, she walks around. I hate to say this because I know a lot of women be upset about this, but she walks around like a dude. I mean, she looks like a dude. She walks around. She's got like a dude frame. She's got like a dude body. Yeah. I, 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 there's a very masculine look to her. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's serious. I mean, she's just a serious athlete. She got all the skills to pay the bills in this sport, man. Like she hits, she hits like death. When she hits ladies, they fall down, they get busted up, they bleed. I mean, she took apart Misha Tate and like in the first round within like three minutes, I believe. Yeah, well, it's 69% of her fights have all ended by knockout or TKO, whereas Ronda Rousey's 25%. Obviously, Rousey's real strength is her submissions, and you know that she has a 75% success rate, and Amanda Nunes has a 23% success rate. So let's do this. I want to I want to talk about you what you think about each person's fight and how they're going to go in and how they're going to how how each is going to win. But before we do it, let's talk about that sweet UFC controversy because there's always sweet, sweet UFC controversy. <laughs> I feel like uh, that, that is, there should be just a, pod, a podcast just for controversy. It should be, we, should, should, we be. should call it sweet, sweet controversy. We should, we should, yeah. Okay, so um, surrounding this fight, let's see. Um, the big deal right now that everyone, um, analysts and media uh, folk alike are pissed about is that Ronda Rousey is not doing any media really any media at all for the for the promotion of the fight she's not doing anything during fight week I think she did two spots she did uh, ESPN like an extended interview and then she did a she was on Ellen uh, which is <laughs> kind of awesome um, so yeah that's it and um, and all the promos that they're cutting for this fight are very Rousey heavy, um, which makes sense. She's the star, definitely, but she's not the champion. And a lot of people feel like the champion is not getting getting her due. Um, it's very unusual. It's, it doesn't happen at all um, that fighters get this sort of kind of uh, buy for a fight week. Normally, fight week's super media heavy. They're doing open workouts. Um, they're doing one-on-ones. It's, uh, they're doing embedded, the, the vlog series, the video series for Fight Pass, um, where they get followed around by cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super intense. She doesn't have to deal with that. And, and, and Nunes doesn't have to deal with that. They get this by and they're allowed to focus on their fight, which a lot of other people, like Ro- Joe Rogan's come out to say that he thinks it's a great idea um, because fighters do too much media. And they get distracted, and you your product suffers, your fight suffers, the fans suffer because they're getting overly exposed, they're getting overly distracted, and then they come in the fight, and their wires are crossed, and they don't have their best performance. So I don't know. You can go either way. You know, that's an interesting thing. It's, it's tough because, especially in UFC, UFC is all about its marketing. You know what I mean? It's very. I feel like it's very similar in that respect, to like the NFL. Like they, UFC takes a big page out of the NFL, and it's all about marketing. It's all about matchups, and it's you know. I mean, it's the same exact thing as the NFL. It's all about marketing, all about matchups. You know, and instead of teams, we're doing people, and so to give Rousey this kind of leeway, 
you know, and, and even though she's not there, it's still most of the most of the marketing is still around the fighter, even though she's not here. Now, let me ask you this, because this is something a lot of people are talking about. Even Amanda Nunes was talking about it this morning. Uh, a lot of people are questioning the the heart of Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey's on Ellen DeGeneres, and she's saying, oh, you know, this might be my last fight, one of my last fights. And then, you know, so the ar basic argument has been, how can she be that motivated to win if she's already got one foot out the door? So where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... I think that a lady like Ronda Rousey, an athlete like Ronda Rousey, a fighter like Ronda Rousey is dangerous all the time, anytime. So um, I think in absence of her doing a lot of media, a lot of media is being generated around her and people are weighing in on her. So like we don't have Ronda Rousey to talk to, so let's talk to Misha Tate. Let's talk to Amanda Nunes. Let's talk to Joe Blue about what's going on with Ronda Rousey. Right, because we can't talk to Ronda Rousey. Yeah. So I think, um, and I think a lot of those criticisms and those questions are accurate and good questions to ask, and they're probably, you know, I'd, I'd say they're probably true in a lot of cases. Is Ronda Rousey a head case? Absolutely. Are we going to get the best Ronda Rousey that we've ever seen? I don't know. Could she could come in more motivated than ever? She could come in, you know, gun shy and be afraid to be hit and shell up and Nunez scores an early an early finish. I think all all cylinders are firing here. Anything could happen. Um, I think that you are definitely different after you get kicked in the head when you are an undefeated fighter and you get knocked out in that way. I think, you know, I think your psychology does change. Definitely. Could she come back? Absolutely. She's dangerous, man. She's super skilled. She's the best in the world for a long time, you know? Um, but if you look at other combat sports where, you know, knockouts have been the end of careers, look at Tyson. Yeah. You know, um, and a Tyson, a Tyson and Rousey have often been compared to each other cause they were both like real strong first round finishers and getting taken past the first round, their performances suffered. They also were both media darlings. Tyson was a crazy media darling. He did way too much media. He got way too overextended. When he fought Douglas in Japan, he didn't even train. No, not at all. Did he get knocked and, out by his sparring partner too? Yeah, absolutely. He was he was all over the place. He was chasing skirts and you know partying. Um, not that that's what Rousey was doing, but she was on media tours. She was you know uh, shooting TV shows and movies and all types of stuff. And and a lot of people argue that the Rousey that came in against home was a unprepared Rousey. So I think it's all valid. So let me ask you this. All right, let's let's get into the the nuts and bolts. Let's really nerd out on this fight. So tell me and tell the listeners, okay, what what does Ronda Rousey need to do to win and how can she win? And then what does Amanda Nunes need to do to win and how do how does each style disrupt the other one? And what is each style? Break it down. Yeah. Um, well, as they say, styles makes styles make fights. And both of these girls have unique styles. And if they are allowed to play to their strengths, um, it can be over quickly. So Rousey is a finisher. She's generally a strong finisher in the first round. Um, what she wants to do is she wants to come out pressure to a clinch and then work off the, work her judo off a clinch. So uh, throws to submissions. That's how she puts it together. She's real good at chaining 
um, clinch to throw to submission, usually by armbar. Um, her armbars are stupid sick. Uh, Nunez, on the other hand, she wants distance. She wants space um, to get her strikes off. Um, like, she, like I said, she has really, really heavy hands. Um, she puts hands and feet together really well. Um, and then once she starts to light girls up on the feet, that's when she starts to close distance um, and look to take the back and get the finish via like rear naked or something like that. But she's dangerous everywhere on the ground. But she's going to initiate that ground attack from from her striking. Whereas um, Rousey's striking, it's not bad. She's finished fights um, with her hands against strikers, um, but she's not world class in that in that aspect. She's going to try and use her hands to set up the clinch, throw, submission. Interesting. Now, who of these two styles? Who do you think? Who's who's who? Who do you take? Uh, Amanda Nunes or Ronda Rousey? Oh man, oh man. Well, I think that if you just pair those styles together, you have a girl that's got to come in real hot. She's got to pressure and Rousey right mm -hmm. to get to that clinch position. In order to get to that clinch position, she's going through kicking and punching range. Which is one of which is Amanda Nunes' strength, right? Yeah, is her, her punches and kicks. So it's like running through a minefield, um, you know, to get to the other side to get to safety. Uh huh. If she if she can get through the minefield, I think we got ourselves a fight. If um, but the fact that she's running through a minefield, I mean, shit, you might step on a landmine. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, and that's that's just that's the realist, like. Um, I don't have a dog in the fight in the sense that, like, I, I'm not a, I'm not like a diehard Ronda Rousey fan. I'm not a diehard Amanda Nunes fan. Um, so I'm not, I'm not leaning any way, like, with my, uh, with my heart here. But uh, I just think on paper, Rousey's got to get to that clinch, and to get to that clinch, she's got to go through a whole difficult, difficult set of transitions. So you feel the fight is definitely in favor of the champ. Yeah, I think on a on a lot of in a lot of uh aspects, yes. I think, you know, the ones I just explained, but also you gotta think that Rousey's gonna be a little gun shy in the sense that she the her last performance, she got hit a lot. Yeah. She got hit more than she's ever been hit. She got hit harder than she's ever been hit. Um she had her face disfigured, you know, they she split her lip, she had to have uh, you know, reconstructive surgery on her face. Like, she's going to be a little bit gun-shy. That's real. That's a real thing. Um, and getting gun-shy is not the best defense for a striker like Amanda Nunes. If you shell up at all, if you show any kind of, like, uh, retreat with a, with a striker like Amanda Nunes, you're going to be on the end of her punches and kicks, and she's going to take advantage of that. Man, this fight... This fight's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I, I would love, in a dream world, in a perfect world, I would love for this fight to go the distance. Yeah. I would love for it to go all five rounds. I think it would be great for the fans. I think it would be great for both fighters' uh, careers and their legacies. I think it would be super, super cool. I don't know that that's going to actually happen. I, I think, in all likelihood, it, it probably won't happen. But I think it would be really fun if it went the distance, just because... 
both women are great athletes. Both women are super skilled. You'd see a lot of like good technical um, fighting, and and that's you know that's what we hope to see out of any contest. And what's what we're probably going to see in the in the Cruz and Garbrandt fight and the Dillashaw Lineker fight, the two bantamweight fights that are also rounding out the main card. Well, you just led me right into that. Let's talk about that co-main event. Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt? Garbrandt? Is that Garbrandt? That's right. Garbrandt. That's right. All right. So let's talk about this. Dominic Cruz. What an what an interesting... Though, there's another, this is guy's fighting style. I don't understand at all. It's just... It's so unique. And if, if I feel that way, I know other people feel that way. Break down as best you can. Can you explain the mystery that is Dominic Cruz? Um, I can try. It's more a, a show show and not tell sort of thing. But um, Cruz is a student of the game. He's an expert analyst. He works for Fox. Um, he's the best analyst that they have. Some, some would say he's the best fight analyst in the game right now when it comes to mixed martial arts. Super smart guy. Um, his style reflects his ability as an analyst. He is the expert in making you miss. He's like the Floyd Mayweather of, of mixed martial arts. He never gets hit. He very, very rarely gets hit. Um, and he makes, uh, there's a great quote from his, from his fight with, uh, TJ Dillashaw for the belt when he came back to win the belt. Uh, one of the commentators said, uh, Dominic Cruz makes great fighters look like average fighters. Um, and that's true. He just, he, his skill level, his ability with his footwork and his body movement and his evasion, counter punching, he makes great fighters look average. Wow. I mean, he's so elusive, for sure. That's something that I think is a really accurate word that you you know, you know can also attach to Floyd Mayweather. Is Dominic Cruz is very elusive, and he strikes from weird angles, and he comes from weird places. Just- yeah, he's a, he is a master technician. Um, he's like, there's never, I mean, you know, MMA is still a really young sport, so a lot of things are still evolving, but I think Dominic Cruz really put the blueprint out there for a defensive um, MMA style that works all the time. Like, you know, boxing has been around forever, and the style that Floyd Mayweather uses, that kind of Philly shell, um, pull and roll kind of style, um, has been around for a long time, and Mayweather is using it to, you know, exceptional degree, and he's, you know, putting a stamp on it. It's definitely his style now. But... um, but we haven't really seen that in MMA, and Cruz is, is kind of one of the pioneers in that department. That's dope. So let's talk about the challenger. Break break him down. He's got a lot of tattoos, first of all. Homeboy is He's like, got a lot of tattoos. Lot of He's tattoos. got tattoos that girls like. Yeah. The neck. You know what I'm the chest. Yeah. He's yeah. got the neck, that chest. Um, he got those hands. Yeah. I mean, he's got tattoos. His tattoos have tattoos. All of his tattoos have a little tattoo on them. And they do all of them. <laughs> um, okay, so Cody Garbrandt. Uh, interesting. So Cody Garbrandt comes from um, Iowa, I believe, or Ohio, one of those places. Wrestling stronghold. He's a wrestling champion. Um, I think it's Ohio. I think it's Ohio. So if you don't know, Iowa and Ohio are the best wrestling programs in the country. Um, Cody Garbrandt comes from one of those states. <laughs> do, the math, do the math on that. Um, but he was a wrestling champion in college, um, uh, which says a lot for his ground pedigree. 
He um, Ohio. He comes a, from out of Ohio. I there we go. There we go. All right. And he's an amateur boxing. Uh, he had an amateur boxing record record of like thirty two and one. He's wow. A really good boxer. Wow. Um, he has death in both hands. If he hits you, he knocks you out. He's got a lot of first round finishes. Um, he's been streaking this year. He went from an unranked fighter to the number eight ranked fighter, I believe. Um, which is pretty unheard of. That's a pretty stellar rise. Um, he's a dangerous dude in all areas. Um, but he is the exact kind of fighter that Dominic Cruz loves to fight. He's a guy that comes forward very aggressively. He's not really known for his angles. Um, he likes to throw big power shots, big bombs which leaves him open to being countered and uh, chasing crews, which most people do that like throw heavy. Um, Uriah Faber was, you know, a classic case in point for that. Um, chasing Dominic Cruz and trying to throw big overhands and hooks and not, not connecting. Mm -hmm. Also interesting is that Garbrandt is, um, is Uriah Faber's uh, protege. He come, he fights out of Team Alpha Male and was brought up by Uriah Faber. Yeah, he trains in Sacramento, right? Yeah, in fact, Uriah Faber, after the last title shot, which was Cruz's last fight versus Faber, um, in his uh, post-fight interview, he pushed Garbrandt into this, into this title fight. Oh, really? Yeah, he said, uh, you know, hats off to Cruz, a great fighter. He hits hard, but uh, not as hard as my... Uh, not as hard as my buddy Cody No Love, and uh, they kind of initiated that uh, this fight. Then that was built. It's been built since then. Nice. Now you said off air you think this one has the potential to be one of the one of the best fights of the night. Now break that down. Why do you think that? Um, I think because Garbrandt's super tough. Um, and Cruz is not necessarily known for his finishes via knockout. I mean, he's got a few. Um, and he's definitely capable of knocking somebody out. I just think Garbrandt's young. He's got a super, he's got a really good chin. Um, and uh, he's, he's fucking hungry. So I think if it goes how it should go on paper, you're going to see him Chasing Cruz, bringing a lot of heat, um, and Cruz getting out of sticky situations and piecing him up on the feet. Um, Cruz got excellent wrestling as well, but I think, and I, you'll you'll definitely see some takedowns on Cruz's side um, if it goes, you know, into into the mid to late rounds. But seeing those wrestling exchanges are going to be interesting because Garbrandt's wrestling pedigree is excellent. So I just think it's a really scrappy fight. It's a good matchup in the sense that. Um, you know, young, hungry guy coming after the old crafty veteran, and you're going to see a lot of a lot of technical wizardry by uh, by Cruz. That's dope. That, yeah, that that looks like a, I I I feel like the the smaller the fighter, the more the more crazy the fight. You know, due to it's you know it, it, it's there's a lot of uh, larger reliance on speed and technical prowess versus just heavy hands. You know. Absolutely, yeah. Then just the output alone, man, it's just so much fun to watch. Um, and, of course, you know, just don't sleep. I mean, Gar Garbrandt could come out, and if he connects if he connects on Cruz's, uh, on Cruz's jaw, it's over. I mean, guarantee it. Wow. That guy hits so hard. And Cruz has never been knocked out, but 
Garbrandt's the kind of guy that that can put that loss, that L on your uh, record. Yeah, well, you, you know, Dominic Cruz here, you, as, as you already mentioned, he's only uh, 32% of his fights have ended in a knockout or TKO, you know, with Cruz is, is the winner. And then Cody, 90% of his fights. Granted, he's only fought, you know, he's fought less than 50% than Cruz has fought, but that's still, that's, that, even if you cut that in half, that's way higher. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a testament to his power and to his skill level. I mean, like I said, he is a highly decorated boxer, big, long amateur career. Um, so he's got the hands. The interesting thing about these two, uh, about the main card, is you have the Cruz Garbrandt fight and then you have the Dillashaw Lineker fight. Mm-hmm. Um, both bantamweights, uh, both um, Dillashaw and Cruz have really similar styles. Dillashaw was the champion. Again, uh, when Cruz came back and, and took the belt off him in a highly contested fight, some people thought Dillashaw, a lot of people thought Dillashaw won. Um, but Dillashaw is essentially fighting a guy just like Garbrandt in Lineker, who, who, you know, comes straight ahead, heavy hands. Um, they're almost like mirror matches in a way. It, it's kind of interesting. You would think, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that they're one right after another. Um, Dillashaw is the fight right before Cruz. Um, it's going to be an interesting night. It's going to be those two fights alone are enough. Um, and then having the Rousey Nunes fight on top, man, it's going to be good. Yeah, well, uh, so I'm assuming the winner of this fight, it's, an, it's the number one and number two contenders. I guess the winner of this fight is going to fight the winner of uh, Cruz uh, Garbrandt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lineker is coming off a win over John Dodson. Um, also, a lot of people thought Dodson won that fight. I mean, the Ben and Wade division is crazy. Super, super stacked. Um, but yeah, the winner of Dillashaw-Lineker is essentially the number one contender. But, like I said before, um, Dillashaw has been fighting number one contenders since his loss to Cruz. So essentially, Dillashaw has been like this interim champion in the Bantamweight division where he's constantly fighting number one contenders to keep his number one contender spot. So um, Lineker, I think, is like the third-ranked Bantamweight. Um, but, uh, yeah. Now, how so come Dillashaw... How long, when, did Dun- when did Dillashaw lose the title to Cruz? When did that happen? He, he lost this year, I believe. So let's see. Cruz has defended his title. Cruz won the belt, defended his title against Faber, and now he's fighting Garbrandt. I think that's... I think that's it so far. So he's only um, defended then, it twice. Yeah, and then Dillashaw lost about the cruise, and since then has fought uh, once, Sun Sal, and now is fighting uh, Lineker. Okay. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of back and forth about who Cruz would fight after Dillashaw because so many people thought that Dillashaw won the fight and that it was close and that won all five rounds, super competitive, and Dillashaw's a very dominant champion. Yeah, he he beat Henan Barrow, um, who hadn't lost in like ten years, so uh, to get the belt. So Dillashaw's claim to the rematch was, you know, immediate rematch was totally valid, and the fact that he has just remained right there in that number one contender spot, beating really tough guys, um, this is kind of proof in the pudding, proves the point. But I think definitely after this this card, there won't be any denying. There's no one else really vying legitimately for a fight with Cruz other than Dillashaw. So 
So this is definitely the fight, and I think there's no coincidence that both both fights are, you know, side by side on the main card. I think they're definitely, obviously, setting up the uh, the preview for for the 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 next title fight. Yeah, absolutely. It's just exciting stuff, man. Like uh, UFC men's division, let's see, like. Um... 125, 135, 145, 155, 170. All those divisions are just on fire right now. I mean, even even uh, 185 is on fire, Bisping uh, being the champion. All these guys lined up to fight him. And it's just like those divisions are so stacked, like so stacked. That's it's awesome. Like, well, you know, and I remember, I remember UFC went through just a string of injuries from like 2000. God, 2009, 2010. No, 2009 was really good, but I'd say it was like 2010 through like 12. Remember that? It was just injury after injury and champ after champ going down before every fight. It was like, what is going on in these training camps? And uh, I mean, you know, injuries are part of any sport, but I feel like for the most part, you know, UFC has been on a pretty good streak. Yeah, I mean, you you know, injuries touch this card too. Uh, They did have... Originally, the co-main for this one of the co-mains for this uh, main card was Cain Velasquez versus Fabricio Verdum for a number one contender for heavyweight, and uh, Velasquez just got pulled this week, I believe, um, by the Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, and he is off the card, and Verdum is off the card, so. Let's just, talk about that for a second. Man. What was the deal with all... Because, I mean, you kind of were breaking that down to me, and I, I was almost in utter disbelief on how that all went down. Oh, super stupid. So Velasquez was on some podcast somewhere and admitted that he was going to need back surgery five days after the fight with Verdum uh, that was scheduled for this Friday. And uh, everyone was kind of shocked that he would be so candid about that because that's normally something... you. When you're camping for a fight, you don't ever go out and say, I'm injured, and this is where I'm injured. Um, just, it just, it reveals your vulnerability to your, you know, to your opponent. And, you know, it's just not good psychologically going into a fight to think, to think that you're at a disadvantage and everyone else thinks you're at a disadvantage. Not to mention when you're trying to clear medical uh, by a state athletic commission to let them know that you are severely injured, that might hamper your, uh, your medical review what you did <laughs> so ridiculous why well, i i know i was just like what why would you say that <laughs> yeah yeah it's really stupid um and he's not like a you know he's not a he's not a noob he's been doing this a long time and he's he is also the kind of guy he's had like eight surgeries since he turned pro he's like just totally injury injury riddle guy but um yeah i don't know Weird. well what sucks is that his his you know, he's one of those athletes whose talent is so apparent, but he just can never stay healthy. And so regardless of how much success he has, I still feel like Cain Velasquez is like, he just always, he's just always going to end up being kind of one of those great what if stories. Yeah, he's definitely, um, his legacy, I mean, if you can look past the injuries, I mean, when he has fought, Short of his loss to Verdum, which was at altitude, they fought in Mexico City, and he gassed and Verdum didn't, and uh, that was that. But he's just one of the most dominant heavyweights of all time. Like a lot of people throw him, throw him in the uh, 
in the ring for best heavyweight of all time. I think Rogan is a big fan of Velasquez, and he's kind of an expert on the sport. He says that he's the best that he's ever seen. Um, so, yeah, it's really unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate that he's always coming down with injuries. It's even more unfortunate that he sabotaged himself for this fight. Yeah, like he has no one to blame but himself on that one. I mean, pretty much, man. That is kind of just... I mean, you know, it's one thing to go have an injury, go get your exam, and, and, you know, they find it, and they say, oh, man, we can't let you fight. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, at least I was trying to get there, but just to come out and be like, yeah, I'm going to have surgery. I need to have surgery because my shit's fucked up. Um, <laughs> it seems stupid. It's a really bad look. <laughs> yeah, it's bad look. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So... Real quick before we're we're about to sign off here, a uh, couple last things. So, who wins Dillashaw versus Lineker? Oh man, I gotta go with Dillashaw. Um, I love Dillashaw, man. He trains with a great camp, um, Elevation Fight Team out of Colorado. Uh, he's got Bang Dwayne Bang Ludwig as his striking coach and head coach. Um, he's a very progressive fighter. He's kind of at like the technical elite of the sport right now, really setting the setting the pace for where you got to be at in the 135 division and any division, really. I mean, he is a student of the game, very amazing technician. Versus a guy that in Lineker who's super tough, throws a lot of bombs, but um, I just don't think he has the technical ability to take Dillashaw down. I think Dillashaw's going to fight a smart fight and... Um, He's a super tough guy. He's got a great chin. So even if he gets caught or rocked, I think he has the capacity to recover. And if not finish, he's definitely going to win on points, and he'll take that fight. Nice. Now what about Cruz Garbrandt? Cruz Garbrandt. Oh, man. I'm a huge Dominic Cruz fan, man. I know, uh, you know, as an analyst, you're not supposed to take sides, but fuck. I love that guy. I think he's just so smart all over. Um and uh, like I said, man, he's a pioneer in this in this new style of MMA, um, this kind of defensive tactician style. Um, I am going to lean towards Cruz, but I will give uh, Garbrandt his due in the sense that if he can put, if he can get Cruz into a tight position, um, his power will definitely be um, a legitimate factor in this fight. So if he can corner Cruz and he can get Cruz, he can cut the ring off and he can more more um, appropriately, if he can read Cruz's patterns, because Cruz has these definitive patterns that he uses over and over again, and he can catch him coming in or coming out, I think it could be it could be a Garbrandt night. Wow. And then finally, because we still didn't get one, Nunez Rousey, who do you think? Gun to your head. Uh, gun to my head, Nunes. Boom! There it is. <laughs> Boom! That's what I wanted to hear. So uh, wait, what's my picks? Let's see. Dillashaw, Cruz, Nunes. Yeah. What do I get if I win? You guys got to send me something? You know, I'm not sure. We don't, here's the thing. We need someone else for you to bet against, and then we can have a friendly wager, because I'm not betting against you. <laughs> a friendly wager. That's good. Yeah. Like pinks? We're going we're gonna to bet for pinks? Pinks? Pinks hot dogs? Uh, pink slips. Cars. Pink slips, cars. There you go. I like that. Man, you don't want my car, but I probably don't want your car either. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody wants our car. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, 
so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. So we will be back, Dan, in the new year under the new Goldcast. This has been our sneak previews. This, but it'll be official next time we see you. We'll be able to break down all of UFC 207, and uh, we're going to talk about all those crazy ass fights and who the winners are. And hopefully, you get a, a, a San Francisco treat, which is a, a, a sweep. There we go. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I feel strong about those picks. Yeah, I do too. I can't wait to see these fights. They they are going to be so badass. Yeah, absolutely. All right, bud. Great job. We'll talk to you soon. Right on, man. Goldcast, thank you. Love you guys. Boom.